Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. The Apostle Paul had an effective ministry. We see that God moved through him in the ones that he was ministering to. And why was that? What was unique about Paul? He prayed for those that he was serving. What about you? Do you have a list of people that you are serving, that you are ministering to, that you are, are growing, discipling? And if you do, are you diligently praying for them? Paul loved this group of believers in Thessaloniki. And we see many times in the second epistle that he wrote to them that he says over and over, I am constantly, I'm always offering a prayer for you. And when we begin this third chapter, we see that same thing stated again. So take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Thessalonians and chapter 3. We'll begin with verse 1. He says, finally, now this doesn't mean that he's getting tired and that he's coming to the end, but it means here are some remaining points. He wants to remind them of something, and what is that? He says, finally, brethren, you pray concerning us. Paul's been praying for them, and we'll see he's doing it again, but here he's saying, you pray for me. I've told you over and over, I pray for you, but now you, brethren, you pray for us. Why? In order that the word of the Lord, and then we have a word, and that word means should run. And it's speaking about the word of God being released in a quick manner, meaning this. He wants to see that gospel, that, that righteous doctrine of God's word going forth rapidly throughout this world. So he says, in order that the word of the Lord should run and bring glory, just as also with you. He says, God is doing a mighty work in this congregation. Yes, you are persecuted, and what did we learn? This confirms their identity as believers in Messiah and those that have a, a kingdom future. So he says, just as with also you, also in order that we should be delivered from, and Paul, because he was committed to the work of God, what was he experiencing? Opposition. He says that we would be delivered from perverse and evil men. Verse, verse 2 at the end. For not all is faithful. We need to realize that there is an enemy. We talked about him extensively in chapter 2. And this enemy, Satan, he has followers. 
He has those that are under his authority. Most of them don't even realize that they're under his authority. Paul says not all is faithful. Not all is of the faith. But the Lord, he is faithful and he will strengthen. This involves in giving you a root, a stronghold. He will give you strength and he will keep you from the evil. Now, what's evil? Evil simply, that word is a word that means that which is contrary to the will of God. And God will work mightily that we do not turn to the left or to the right, but that we remain planted firmly. And notice he talks about strength. Here's the message. It is only when we are planted firmly in God's will are we going to have access to his power and not just his power but also his perspective so when I am in God's will I can pray effectively God give me your provision give me your power let me see things from your perspective so that I can submit to your will not just be in his will but to carry out his will in faithful obedience verse verse 3 the Lord is faithful to strengthen you and to keep you from evil. Verse, verse 4. He says, but being convinced in the Lord concerning you, that the things that we have commanded you, that you are doing and will do. Now, Paul, this is a word of encouragement. He's saying, I have confidence in you. Now, many times, and we see this with parents, parents tell their children, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this other thing. And what does that say? We have no confidence in you. We, we believe that, that you're going to do wrong things, that you're going to make poor decisions, and, and we're warning you. Instead of saying, don't do this, say, son, say to your daughter, you know what? I love you. And I am proud of you as a father, as a mother, because I am confident that you are going to make wise decisions, that you are going to choose the things that, that honor God, that, that you want to be a blessing to others and that you don't want to have a bad testimony. And we need to do the same thing that Paul does, have confidence that if one is a believer, that the Holy Spirit is going to move. What does he say here? He says that, that the Holy Spirit, that he is going to strengthen you and keep you from all evil. He's saying we're confident that the Lord, he is speaking concerning you and what he's commanded, what we have commanded you, that you are doing and you will do. But the Lord, he will do something. He will strengthen or literally, he will, he will straighten your heart in the love of God. And for the obedience of, or the perseverance, excuse me, the perseverance of Messiah. Now, learn a very important principle. In order to have, in order to have that, that perseverance, that endurance of, of Christ, the same endurance, that caused him to conquer the cross. We can have access to that. 
But notice what he says, that he is going to, and it literally says, that he is going to straighten your heart. Meaning what? That he is going to bring order to your heart, and that means he is going to bring order to our thoughts, our perceptions, how we see things. So again, see, we need to know what we ought to be praying for, and one of the things we should be praying for is a right perspective. Let me say that differently. We need to be praying for a righteous perspective, God's perspective, to look at a situation and say this, God, what would you have me to do and be desiring to do it? Not just asking and then making a decision, well, am I willing to do that or not? That's not faithfulness. That's not obedience. That's not going to get a response from God. You say, God, what would be the action that I should take? What should I do in order that righteousness is manifested in that situation? Whatever, very important word, whatever, God, you reveal to me, this I'm going to do. And I'm going to trust you, God, that you're going to supply what I need, that you're going to give me that insight, you're going to give me the resources, you're going to give me the power so I can behave righteously. Here's the problem. Most people do this. God, I want your resources. I want your help. I want your power in order that I can accomplish what I want to do. And when we are being led by self, we are giving the enemy a stronghold in our life. When we say, my will will be done, we're saying, Satan, come into my life. Demonic influence, darken my life. Give me a wrong perspective. He says, look again. Verse, verse four. Being confident in the Lord concerning you that the things we have commanded you that you are doing and will doing, and that the Lord, because you're doing the right thing, the Lord will straighten your heart in the love of God and for the perseverance of Messiah. Verse 6. And what we have commanded you, brethren, in the name of our Lord, Messiah Yeshua, for his character to be our character, and if that's going to be the case, we sometimes have to make some hard decisions. He says, middle of verse 6, that you withdraw from every brother that, that walks idly. That is not working, and that means working in both, both areas. What do I mean by that? Not working for, for their sustenance, not earning a provision, and it also means not working in regard to the things of God. See, one of the balances that, that we have to have is that we have to balance our, our physical needs with our spiritual needs. Meaning we have to order our life, balance our life in order to meet our physical needs so that we can serve God. And usually there's a, a, a unbalancing going on. Why? because we spend way too much time on what we physically think we need. We engage in too much time for that, and we don't have enough time, the right amount of time, in order to serve God, to do His will. Let me tell you a promise. When you are committed and you want to do more and more and more for the kingdom of God, God is going to work and make your physical labor 
those things to earn that paycheck, he is going to move and he is going to make your work more effective. It'll be more expedient what you do. You'll have to work less to make more money because God will provide what you need in order to serve him and he will be generous about that. This is the promise that he's making. Verse, verse 6 again, he says, But commanding you, brethren, in the name of our Lord, Messiah Yeshua, that you withdraw from every brother that walks, that means behave, his lifestyle is that of being idle, and not according to the commandment which he received from us. Verse 7. For you yourselves know how it was necessary for you to mimic us. Now, Paul's saying we behaved in a certain way in order that you could learn from us, in order that you would imitate us, that you would follow the example that we gave. And he says that we were not idle among you, verse 8, nor without payment did we eat the bread from someone but he says in in labor and in difficulty night and day we worked and he said not to be a burden to any of you verse verse 9 now he did this as an example not because he had to why he was an apostle and he says we had the right a workman is worthy of his wages he says we didn't have to do this we could have have said as apostles that you need to meet our needs he says we did not we wanted to give you an example of of our commitment to you so he says we labored and in difficulty night and day we worked in order not to be a burden of any of you verse 9 but not that we didn't have the authority meaning the authority of apostles but in order that we give to you an example that you would mimic us that you would follow this example that's why he did these things that's why he behaved in this way verse 10 for also when we were with you this we commanded you now he's saying this and he said I did this I demonstrated this and here's something that may be hard for for many and that's this this is a principle that Paul revealed re received from the Holy Spirit verse verse 10 this we commanded you that if someone does not want to work he shall not eat we are expected to labor to do what's necessary to meet our provisions and we know the verse of scripture that a man who will not provide for his own household is worse than an infidel so labor is something that is good we are called to serve but also we are called to to work then he says now look if you would to the next next verse verse 11 for we have heard how uh, um, here in this, this 
passage, we have heard how there are those who walk among you. How? We have heard that those have a lifestyle among you of idleness, not wanting to work. And what's the outcome? Well, many Bibles will say that they become busybodies, meaning this. They, they walk around. They are always engaged in other people's business. They are always involved in other people's life. See, idleness gives us the opportunity to meddle. Give us the opportunity to be involved in that, which is not where God wants us to do. So we need to be busy and not being busy bodies. Verse 12. But to these that are such, we warn. And we exhort through our Lord Messiah Yeshua. In order that with quietness we work and one eats his own bread. What a good advice. That we work in quietness. And we eat. We don't take out all these loans. We don't expect things from others. But rather that we work in a quiet way eating and enjoying what our own hand provides. And Paul says, this is indeed a testimony. This is how people of faith lived and how we should live today. So with quietness, we work and we eat our own bread. Verse 13. But you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. What's the message here? We should be about laboring, doing those things that are good. What does that mean? Doing those things that are in accordance with the will of God. Doing those things that God is pleased with. And that's why we have to learn that order for life. That's what Paul is demonstrating to them. There was a balance that he showed them of working, and he sometimes had to work late at night. He had to work early in the morning in order that he could perform and do the will that God has called him to do. So he says, don't grow weary in doing good. Verse 14. But if a certain one does not obey our word through this epistle, it says here, mark this one and do not associate with him in order that he would be ashamed. So there are times that we need to behave with tough love. There are times when someone is not behaving properly, not behaving to the word, that we need to do something, not associate. For some congregation, that means that you need to put that person outside the fellowship to tell them this is not how a member of our congregation orders his life. And you do not associate with him, but be very careful. We do that not in, in animosity, but we do it in love, he says. And do not as an enemy consider him, but, but admonish him as a brother. Now, we're coming up on the conclusion of this second epistle to the Thessalonians. And Paul's always going to end with a word of encouragement. He's going to tell this congregation of his love and God's purposes that he wants to bring about through this group. Look at verse 16. But the Lord of peace. Now what does it mean? Don't think 
God who just gives me that, that, that peace. No, it's not talking about peace, easiness, quietness. It's talking about the God who works according to his will. The Lord of peace, he will give to you peace through all things in every way. Meaning God is going to move in a variety of ways to bring you into his will. The God of peace is a God who moves his people to accomplish the purposes of God. So we need to ask ourselves, are we moving? Are we experiencing God's work in our life in order that we have peace? And what's peace again? The fulfillment of God's will. This is what Paul is always speaking about. For the Lord be with all of you. Verse 17. Now Paul makes his greetings, his, his greetings of departure. He says, greetings and by my own hand, Paul, which is a sign in all my, in every epistle. Thus I write. So he says, he's concluding now this epistle. Probably he had a, a secretary, another disciple, another man who was a believer, who when Paul spoke these things, he wrote it down. But when it came to the end, the end of an epistle, Paul would himself write something. And this was his sign. This was a, a tradition that people could see the way he wrote. We know from other scripture that he would write sometimes with large letters by his own hand that, that manifested something about Paul's condition, his physical condition. So he writes, this is a sign in every epistle that thus I have written. Verse 18, our last verse. He ends, as I said, with a message of encouragement. He says, Grace of our Lord, Yeshua, Messiah. With you, amen. With all of you, amen. Now, I don't think it's by accident that the Apostle Paul, that he began this epistle and he closes this epistle and several times in the midst of this epistle, he mentions grace. Now, grace gives us liberty, not a liberty to do our will. That is not grace at all. And unfortunately, there are many people that they are teaching things about grace that is not biblically sound. As I've said over and over, grace has a purpose beyond saving us. Grace brings about in the person's life a conformity, a conformity to God's will, and hear this, God's character. When I receive the grace of God, what's the outcome of this? God is going to go to work in my life God is going to bring about a change whereby I cease being who I was and I become more and more like him. Where do we hear that? From John the Baptist. Now, we all know the verse when Jesus speaks about John and he says, of those who are born of women, no one, meaning in a natural way, no one was greater than John. What a statement. Thinking of all the prophets, Moses himself, Abraham, he points to John. And we need to ask ourselves what it was about John 
that was so pleasing to Yeshua. And what was that? When he says, I must become less and he must increase, he needs to be more. Are you praying that? Now, when you must become less, what does that mean? My desires, my wills, my objectives, what pleases me in this, this world, all of that needs to be less. In fact, what we could say is this. It needs to be nailed to the cross. It was those things, my plans, my desires, that really was the basis for the cross. Because, think of the Garden of Eden. It was, was Chava, Eve, that says that fruit looks good to her eyes. She thought it was good for her purposes, what she wanted to be. And it brought about death. It released everything into this world that causes problems, hardship, sickness, death, and violence and crime. It was a gateway to disaster. And what you need to affirm is this. You need to say, left to myself, what I want, what I think is right, is going to produce disaster in my life. It is only when I turn to the revelation of God. It's only when I base my life on this book that I embrace the contents as, as heavenly truth. It's only when I submit to that that God's order is going to be beginning to manifest itself in my life. And what enables me to make that statement and see power behind it? God's grace. God's grace gives us a liberty to do the will of God. Let me give you a final example of that. Think about the exodus from Egypt. You know, in Judaism, can be almost any holiday, but we always remember the exodus of Egypt. Why? It was foundational. And what do we learn about the exodus from Egypt? Redemption came first. Redemption, it produces liberty. It produces freedom in our life. But for what purpose? Freedom to go worship God in that wilderness, in that desert, and ultimately to be brought to Mount Sinai, where God gave us instructions. And God wanted to move mightily among the children of Israel to equip them to faithfully and obediently carry out these instructions. But Israel rejected it. Israel stood at a distance. What about you? In regard to God's will, are you moving closer? In regard to God's commandments, are you saying, this is God's expectations for my life? These are God's tools, God's truth in regard to righteousness. When I apply them, when I implement them in my life, it is going to lead me to understand the righteousness of God and not just understand it, but carry it out to live righteously. Why? Well, we'll close with what we close several of our messages with, and that's this. Living righteously produces the glory of God. And that's why humanity was created. When it says in the book of Genesis that we were created in the image of God, it doesn't mean we look like God. It means that we're supposed to reflect God's character, to be like God. And it's only through redemption, the redemption that comes through the blood of Messiah, only that redemption can give us the potential to do just that to be behaving in obedience to God's 
purposes, manifesting righteousness and being an instrument that reveals His glory. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.